Welcome to SlayerFest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and joining me today is Dumpster Raccoon, writer Scooby, and my podcast husband. Oh, hello. It's Anthony Oliveira. And today we are joined by comedian, writer, actor, great friend, fun company. Tiff Stevenson. As well as writer, producer, (laughs) podcaster, and master of some. Latoya Ferguson. Hey, everyone. (laughs) We're here to talk about... I love this episode. Do we all love this episode? It's him. Um, I wrote in my notes, uh, this episode, which I do greatly enjoy, it's like an early season Buffy episode on crystal meth. (laughs) (laughs) That is is a really accurate description. I, I gotta say... Anthony, I was surprised you liked this episode. Why? Tell me why. I'm fascinated. It's like, it is very silly, and it doesn't, even when it's like, oh, Buffy does have the rocket launcher and she's going to murder the principal, it like (laughs) never takes itself. It's just like, yeah, that's played for jokes, and it is a joke. Um, I don't know, and I would think you would not like like how absurdly silly it is. He's saying oh, you no. don't like humor, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> I, think, I think LaToya's diagnosis is exactly right. Like, I like that it is a burlesque of, like, every Buffy plot. Like, this show that, I mean, kind of in a lot of ways invented sort of this pop culture moment where we were all about, like, obsessive love, like, very much like the Twilight moment. And mm. just cranks it all the way up and turns it into this like campy goofy um and i think quite shrewd like um spoof of that like parody of that and like how destructive that kind of love actually is i thought it was great i think it's a great little episode it's also like the last fun episode um of season seven the toy was just off mike we were just talking about storyteller that's really it right like those are the last two yeah um, and it's Another thing about how early season it feels is just that to the point that they're at the bronze and the breeders are playing in 2002. That's how (laughs) early Buffy it seems. Which, by the way, I I kind of forgot the breeders were playing in this episode. And I was like psyched when they showed up. Yeah, it doesn't speak well of like their career that they're at the bronze. But, you know. (laughs) Apparently, the Deal sisters are big Buffy fans. And that's how that happened. Exactly, exactly. Wait, really? So you play the bronze twice, once on the way up. What's on the way down? Uh, Michelle Branch. Before we get completely into the episode, uh, Tiff, do you want to give us your Buffy origin? Oh, my Buffy origin, yes. Um, Well, I actually can't even remember exactly the the first episode I saw because I saw it when it first came out in the UK, Mm. which would be on Channel 4, and I watched it with my mum, and it was definitely season one, probably around the time, maybe around the... I think I watched it from the first episode. Um, But I think I remember specifically then sitting down to watch it with my mum because she fancied Angel. Or in her (laughs) words, he's a bit of a salt. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, yeah, so I would have been, yeah, probably would have been coming up on 20. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I mean, I've told this story a million times, but I started watching because my mom watched it as well. Like I was, she got me into it. And it's funny, like thinking of like our moms watching the show. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, of course they are. Because also as well, I think at that time, I mean, this, uh, what I always sort of come back to, um, you know, the sex in the city conversation and stuff like that, you know, just how much TV, 
it felt like, although, you know, obviously it being on the WB in America or whatever, it, American stuff always felt very aspirational in the UK anyway. And we didn't have the same high school experiences as you. So there was that bit of kind of like glamour to watch <laughs> to watch something like this um, <laughs> at home. But I guess there just wasn't that much stuff for women. So like my mum was kind of watching it from the point of view of like, oh, this has like stuff that I might be interested in. And obviously the themes are universal and huge in Buffy as they always were, but there wasn't a huge amount of, t- and I think sort of Dawson's Creek and Buffy sort of hit about the same time. And although the characters they were sort of playing were younger than me, because like I said, I was, I think I was 20 when it came out. It was like 97, wasn't it? So yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah. Um, the p- people playing them were the same age as me uh, <laughs> yeah. and sometimes older, but uh, yeah. There was, you know, um, it was my mum. My mum sort of loved it for the bit of the glamour, and it's. Uh, you have to understand our soaps in the UK are not the same as your soaps. Even our soaps are like grainy, depressing. <laughs> Everyone's trying to kill someone over turkey at Christmas. Right. Everyone, you know, like, but but we don't even have glamorous people doing it. It's just miserable people smoking cigarettes and. Um, constantly raining so Buffy even with all this dark stuff in it is a breath of fresh air (laughs) that's that's fair uh (laughs) but so uh the episode opens on we kind of Anthony and I we talked about this in the previous episode for selfless they like they needed to have that blip of like Buffy going into the basement and she's like "Uh, you have a soul you gotta get out of this basement she's like very tough on him and uh Anthony, I don't know if you, because I thought about our conversation from Selfless, how like Buffy is poised as the villain in that episode. And I like that it's almost like we go right back to like, no, Buffy's like, she's she's even less harsh with Spike here in this opening than she was in the previous episode, right? Yeah. um, I mean, part of that, I think, is just like tonally, like uh, this episode has a very different, it's almost in a different genre than Selfless. Like it really is. And I think one of the cool things my favorite thing about this episode is seeing which of the actors get it and which ones don't like which ones understand that this is a broad like I mean we're talking about this in the middle of like WandaVision being on TV and it's like it's kind of playing at that level and Sarah Michelle Gellar does understand that level like she's done the Daphne Scooby-Doo thing and Drew's Sarah's amazing that- in this episode by the way I have to just say. Who is? Sarah is. Sarah's amazing in this episode. Oh, yeah. Like, she's great. I mean, obviously, um, Emma Caulfield is great. Again, WandaVision. And um, you can see, like, the beginnings of... Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on her name. Willow. Uh, like, yeah, like how I met your mother is kind of here, right? Like my only real critique of this episode is we don't get enough of that back end zaniness throughout. Like I would have loved to have that earlier, but yeah, I mean, you can't have Buffy open as being the, the steel general that she's going to be for the rest of season seven. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did want to know what you all thought. So like, this is the second episode, maybe the only second episode I will ever episode, you know, two of two that I will ever say this, but Xander's a little bit right in the opening. Um, when he's like, why are his problems our problems now? Um, like him and Dawn are kind of right, but then also Buffy's kind of right where she's like, well, he has helped us and he has a soul now. I, 
I go back and forth, uh, but I wanted to know what the what the group thought. Uh, Tiff, what do you think? Well, see, it's interesting because you ask uh, on this to kind of say, what would you change about the episode? And this is one of those episodes where I don't really think I would change a lot. And I think the scene's relevance there is really important for setting up what the entire episode is about, this, this obsession and longing and also loss of control and Dawn's feelings of of inadequacy, which I, we'll probably talk about later on as well, but it's like a foreshadowing of a lot of that. But there's definitely a mirror, isn't there, where where sort of Xander says basement guy is better than stalking Buffy guy, and they're just openly talking about the sexual assault in the like the three of them, which is um, which is sort of you know bearing in mind in the previous episode, I think. Buffy and Xander go sort of head to head over whether or not, you know, Buffy's going to kill Anya. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so Xander's obviously still in this place where he's feeling like when it comes to whoever Buffy wants to save, it's a different story to me. And he sort of says as much, I think, in the episode before. Um, but I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know without knowing the whole season and then, you know, to see it again for the first time because we we obviously know what Spike's redemption arc is here and everything else and how he, you know, becomes the true hero of, or the selfless, you know, the one who throws himself upon the sword at the end of the series. So I, I, I sort of, I'm sort of with Buffy um, in terms right. of, you know, thinking that, that Spike, she's, she's like, he's a warrior and she's going to need everyone that she needs for, for what's to come. I think. That's that's yeah, that's actually a good point that it is. And he does. He is like of the group in a fight. He would be the most helpful. Uh, Latoya, what do you think? So it's been a while since I've like really, really rewatched um, season seven. And I'm like, I'm like not in that zone right now either because I've like I've been rewatching Angel season three and like with that, some of Buffy season six. But rewatching this episode, especially early on, like just in the first scene, I was like transported basically to like the television without pity days with like the the pre-meme memes which is Buffy saying every episode he has a soul now and I'm just like <laughs> well that's not a great way to start this off but then like luckily the episode like turned hard left to, to what the rest of what it was but it's right. just it is interesting because it's not just you know Xander being his usual hate, hater self. Although right. I kind of hated Xander in this episode and all of his jokes, I was like, "This is a bad joke." Uh, right. Yeah, I, I had a, a, some time away from Xander and I just came back into this episode. Usually, just being <laughs> usually just being like Xander is Xander, but like by season seven, I'm just like, "Shut up! Just stop <laughs> making cracks." After you leave someone at the altar, stop joking ever. Um, so. Obviously, you have him hating on Spike, which makes sense. But also, what Spike did, it was a terrible thing, and more people should hate on him. And you know what? Dawn does. And she, they, a lot of shows today would not say the word rape. Yeah. And this yeah. show does say it. They're making it very clear. He tried to rape her. That's what happened. It wasn't a misunderstanding. As much as sometimes people try to, like, massage it or, like, say that's not what was going on. Like, the show says it specifically. And it is interesting that, you know, we start this episode with that considering what the rest of the episode is, which is mostly a farce, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It would be easy to imagine a bad version of this episode. Oh yeah. Um, where like that theme is amped up, like, right. Cause it is about like, Oh, obsessional love is dangerous, but it never does the math. What was weird watching this again 
now is like, well, Buffy's relationship to this student is very creepy in this and she is under a spell. And it, I mean, it's, and it's mitigated by all these weird factors. Like the actor is literally older than her and everything, but like it never is like, see Buffy is just like Spike. She has been driven mad by love, right? Like it never does that math. Like it takes a deft, I'm so glad it doesn't walk that path at all. It puts Spike in at the beginning and then he he literally almost never speaks again, right? Like yeah. he, he's like just like Xander's henchman for the rest of the episode. It's the difference between Spike actively doing something and like something being done to Buffy and the rest of them, you know. There's there is a difference there and the show is making it clear. Uh, say what you will, but I you know the show, I think, in a lot of ways, they, even when I have my issues with, you know, Spike driving his motorcycle to Africa to get his soul, as, as you know, um, <laughs> the show is making clear, at least at this point, wh- what he did, why it was wrong, and why they should be upset. And they're even discussing just the fact, like, the rough sex versus the attempted rape, too. Like, that's right. in this episode, them discussing mm-hmm. that. And again, I, I, I wouldn't I mean, see it in a lot of shows today, really. Yes. I was going to say, bo- and what you said earlier a, a lesser show or a show even today might conflate like rough sex with and be like well but like they don't do that here they like make them different things and i yeah. you are right that is like a good point that they do of like making sure to point out like yes they had rough sex but also what he did had nothing to do with that um yeah there's a yeah. part she consented to and there's a part that she didn't right and that's and and also it's great that she sort of has that conversation with dawn as well because i think there's a bit about toxic masculinity and expectations upon men and you know there's a there's a for for such a funny episode it just it it packs a big punch in terms of of content and the themes it's trying to take on and um again we'll get into it later in the episode but but i think there's some really interesting stuff commenting on spike and xander later on um of them you know but 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 uh yeah it's uh, i i love it for for what it's for what it's kind of going for messy conversations so, yeah and like the, i i feel like not that i have a sister but that makes sense that two siblings would have like they might have the like you said the messy conversation that's like feels true to their siblingness of like you know dawn's i don't think she's She's not trying to be like harsh or mean with Buffy, but she's literally like, I don't get it. Like, why are you wanting him here? Um, and I think that that makes sense. Like Dawn, we've talked about this before, but they do some really good Dawn character rehabilitation this season. <laughs> and Dawn in this beginning, before she gets, you know, zapped by the love spell, she's a lot more mature um, than we had seen before. And she's not attacking Buffy. She's just like, hey, like, I don't understand this. Um, which I really like. I love Dawn a lot, this version of Dawn. We cut to the football field at Sunnydale High. Uh, Dawn kind of keeps having that conversation where Buffy's like, he has a soul. And she says, well, Xander left Anya at the altar when he had a soul. <laughs> yeah, got her. <laughs> yeah, she says a soul doesn't make someone a man. Yeah, like... <laughs> And I thought, I really liked it. I mean, someone needed to say it, right? Like, and it's <laughs> And that's like a weird thing of it's almost like the show talking to itself, right? Because we're, we're told so many times in this show that like the soul is the difference between like demon and, you know, man. And, but here it's like, mm, but Xander still did some shitty things. And that's what Dawn is pointing out. I, I like that she's yeah. the voice of reason here. 
and Especially also, right before getting involved. we know that Angel's not a good person and a hero because he has a soul. He made the choice to be a hero eventually, but having a soul didn't do that. It just made him hang out in this like the streets with rats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't even his choice to have a soul. He was cursed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, whereas Spike went on a mission, I suppose, <laughs> on his bike, as you said. <laughs> but then he decided to hide in a basement afterwards. So what was the point anyway? Uh, he got too many feelings. <laughs> he I understand. had too many feelings. <laughs> as someone who also has a lot of feelings, I understand. Um, so I like that Buffy's immediately like, all right, well, bye, rant girl, and like leaves. And then we get. Well, yeah, she says bye, rant girl. And they're kind of pretending for a second that like this child, Dawn, doesn't know what she's talking about, even though she's probably like the most rational person here yeah. in this conversation. And also, Buffy, you guys have talked about it before, but Buffy does not dress appropriately for school faculty and especially not in the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you prude. <laughs> I mean, she looks age hot, is such but... a mess. Like, it really is baffling how old Buffy is supposed to be here. And it's like, like she's she tried the episode really hangs a lantern on it, where she's like, "I'm not that much older than you." And it's like, actually, she's not supposed to be, but she reads as 35, and then she <laughs> dresses like, like I don't know. <laughs> I like that. She's got that slightly governess look later on, and they're like, I feel like it's a it's a real choice. There's a lot there's a lot going on here. We have to discover. We have to we have to discuss Anya becoming Shane from the L word. Oh my god! Yes, yes. <laughs> really there's a lot. Like this is a really weird. Like Buffy's got some ugly ass outfits in this as well. She look. She looks a bit Target. Like she looks a bit Sears catalog in the middle. Like there's a bit in the middle where I'm like, is that double denim? This is unheard of. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Let us not uh, insult Jane the Virgin sponsor Target, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, less Target. I've got some good shit from Target. Um, I would say Sears catalog, maybe. Yeah, might be a more accurate. Bankrupted Uh, Sears catalog. (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm not, I meant to look this up and of course fucking forgot. Uh, Theme to a summer place is what the caption says that song is. I don't know what the hell that means to any of you. It's a, it's a song. I can play it on the piano. It's one of the few songs I can actually play. <laughs> it's like a, but I mean, it's a classic romance movie, right? Like famously Oz referenced it earlier in a previous episode where he's like, it involves a feather bow and a theme from the summer place. Um, so it's, it's yeah, but it's like, like, it's one of those pieces of music. It's like that. Um, it's a 50s saucy kind of. Sandra yeah. D. Hmm. I'm looking at the poster right now. Yeah, it's like (laughs) it's like two kids at the beach. Like it's a very 1950s um, campy movie. Like that theme is it's like the the wedding march from like it's literally it feels to me like they literally were just like, what is the most cheesy romantic theme we can use here? Right. And it's like a cute little it announces the the tone of the episode right away. Right. Like we have one serious conversation where they're like, let us talk about the themes of the episode. Love is irrational. And then it like immediately becomes this farce um, that Michelle Trachtenberg does a really good job of carrying throughout the episode. 
Although I do she question does. that Michelle Trachtenberg is supposed to play a nerd of any sort. Uh, she has <laughs> aged out of here. At least Gossip Girl realized that Michelle Trachtenberg is hot and uh, wrote accordingly. Uh, this is offensive, <laughs> what I was watching. Uh, this is a stolen nerd valor is what is happening in this episode. <laughs> it's a bit of gaslighting, isn't it? I swear. <laughs> like it, I'm like, sorry, young Ricky Lindholm, but like, look at Michelle Trachtenberg. Stop this. Yes. <laughs> it does have this. Yeah. Seeds of Georgina Sparks is like sociopathy, though. Like when she pushes that, <laughs> when she pushes that guy down the stairs, like, oh, that's that's Georgina Sparks. There she exactly. is. <laughs> Hold on, isn't Anthony. The, yeah, isn't Anthony, the, you uh, watched Gossip Girl. I love <laughs> Gossip Girl. It's brilliant. What? I mean, I'm sure it has not aged at a level. I, I was obsessed oh, with Gossip not at Girl. All. It has not aged well at all. <laughs> I was obsessed with Gossip Girl and like Georgina Sparks is like one of the all time big bads in television history like that episode at the end of season one where like they talk about Georgina and then it starts playing that evacuate now song like Michelle Trachtenberg is one of the great series villains of television I think I'm obsessed with that scene where she says you can tell Jesus the bitch is back that's like classic <laughs> 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 oh uh, uh, weirdly i've only seen the last episode of gossip girl that is the only episode i've ever seen Ian, what is uh, wrong with you I, my roommate my roommate and his now wife were watching it and i was like wait i want to see who gossip girl is and i watched that whole like weird like montage of like all the characters where it even went to Kristen bell and then it went like you thought it was going to be her and then it wasn't her yeah, I just wanted to know, and yeah, it wasn't that good of a reveal. Oh, uh, Michelle Trachtenberg <laughs> plays like a chaos monster in it. Yes, you should at least watch the first season, Ian. Yeah, yeah, the first season is classic, but every season Michelle Trachtenberg's character reinvents herself. So like, suddenly she'll be like a Jesus obsessed character, and then like, Avril, just, Avril Lavigne at one point. Right. <laughs> That, uh, I didn't realize she was that much. I thought she was like a side character that popped up. Oh, yeah, she is. Like, but she, the, like, she's when she comes, she's super, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she's a glory, uh, basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, okay, we, and Anthony and I talked about this. I don't love that. I, I like the idea of Buffy checking in on Anya. I don't love that after the, like, ending we had from the previous episode where Hoffman is like, I don't need to kill you because I'm going for the hurt. I'm going to kill your best friend and then let you die at the end because I know that's going to happen. That, like, then he sends a demon to attack right. her. Like, yeah, there's, like, a bounty on her head. Like, I've talked before about how I think the whole Anya becoming a uh, Avenged Demon Again story is so underwritten, and this doesn't help, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah. like it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. Yeah, Tiff. Sorry. Well, yeah. No. So there was the end of I think the end of the episode before, like Anya walks off, like you can't help me to Xander. Like, yeah, it's all about don't try and help me, and it's about her wrestling with the weight of what she's done, and then like, and obviously she's going through changes because her hair and her and her clothes are you know is they're very un Anya like I suppose I suppose, yeah. but but the fact that they seem to just be straight back in it with mm. hardly any gap doesn't feel that would be the one thing I said I would think doesn't feel massively realistic considering how hot it was the episode before like where it was yeah. left right and, yeah. her, and her friend was murdered mm-hmm. uh right. you know so Hallie was like taken instead of her so it, it feels a bit weird that her and Buffy would kind of have this zingy back to being back that kind those kind of friends yeah especially since it doesn't track because Buffy and Anya never had that like aha moment where they 
became actual friends even the way like even yeah. Anya and Willow did like what you said I'm your like we're you know I'm checking on my friend like I wrote in my notes you're not friends and <laughs> right <laughs> you were like, like the previous still, episode proved that and even like in the lead up to the wedding you were just kind of like are you sure you want to marry her like Buffy never even tried to get to know Anya like they're not friends yeah, Willow and yeah. Anya, I, like if, if Willow were saying this yes they're friends you know yeah, yeah it might have been a stronger scene if this had been Willow saving her and then been like but maybe how Willow saved her right right <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean uh, the really it would have been nice kind of if at a story level if Anya was going to come back in this way give me an episode with her not on the board but I want Emma Caulfield in this episode so much yeah. that I can't in good conscience be like she shouldn't be in this episode of course yeah. <laughs> she is a delight in this episode yeah um, so I you know Anya I like after she kills the demon Anya's, Anya's like I don't need anyone's help and then it's like well clearly I do but stop helping like I Anya is just such a good character. Like, I like that she's like lying and then it's like, well, I'm lying, but I still hate you. Like, <laughs> very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I actually do think you, you guys are right. Like, it might have been a little made more sense if it was Willow checking up on her. Because like, I felt like after, you know, we had Triangle, which is a really good episode. Anthony and I both love that episode. But Triangle didn't it while it does a funny Anya Willow episode, it doesn't quite heal their relationship. They still kind of don't like each other. But then I think same time, same place, the like third episode of this season does a really good job of healing their relationship because Willow needs her help. And like they and Anya's like, all right, I'll help. And Anya helps her. And I feel like that's almost like the healing moment with them where it's like, okay, they are friends. You know, Willow's not making jokes or anything in the previous episode when they're talking about killing Anya. She won't even go with Buffy. I, I like their relationship. Mm. Um, but so then we cut to uh, cut back to Sunnydale. Well, well, Buffy like talks about like how she wants to make sure her friends are all good. And I like that Anya's like, she says that Willow's no good at strategizing unless she's evil. And Dawn, she's not really good for anything. <laughs> and I cut to Dawn. All episode. <laughs> yes. And then we immediately get this cut to Dawn in high school. Uh, she sees RJ talking to his like cheerleader and football friends. Um, I don't know if any of you have watched Westworld, but the the yes. head girl that's she's like the cheerleader, yeah. yeah, she's in Westworld. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and, is she good in it? <laughs> yes. In, in Westworld. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In Westworld. She's okay, had no I was like... experience since since this episode of Buffy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's it's better. She's better than the shin kick that she gives right, Buffy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, really, yeah. What the shin kick's yeah. the best part? She <laughs> is one of she's one of the few villains on the TV show that beats Buffy in a fight. Like was, <laughs> undefeated. <laughs> she's one for one for one. Yeah. <laughs> but the only reason I knew that is because when I was watching Westworld, I was like, she looked so familiar, and I did like one of those like IMDb deep dives, and I was like oh, it's from that episode of Buffy. And she's like, no, not good in this, but she is good in Westworld. She really is. <laughs> well, and Ricky, Ricky Lindholm, then t you don't really see her much again, do you, after that kind of scene? Um, she's on crutches. Wait, so who's who's Ricky Lindholm? She's the one she's on the, the crutches. The she's the injured cheerleader. But I mean, is that actor famous? Uh, yes. She's in Garfunkel and Oates and another period. Oh, she's comic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah. 
Yeah. I <laughs> much to do in this one. Jesus. The point where I like, I kind of thought the leg injury was going to come back. Like the other yeah. shooter had broken her leg and it never did. Um, I feel like there's yeah. a draft of the script that was a little longer that maybe explained that, but <laughs> Yeah, because even in this rewatch, I was like, oh, right, the like the other cheerleader hurt her leg. And then it was like, oh, no, it just she just has a crutch. There's right. no like explanation. Um, um, yeah, and um, I guess I, it's worth like this is maybe a good moment to be like season seven is so much about back to the beginning. And this is absolutely thinking hard about the witch, which is like literally the second mm-hmm. episode of Buffy. Yes. Like, again, like the cheerleaders hurting each other. And, yeah, exactly. And obviously it literally references that by having Dawn dig out the cheerleading outfit in the attic and stuff with a very expensive music drop right like the shins are in this episode i found the archives for like the original shooting script for like all the buffy and angel episodes which like have a lot of usually like oh, deleted shit. scenes or lines i should send them your way in because there, there might be like a deleted yeah, line or yeah, something about do. that like the injury that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to point out the guy who plays RJ, who is very clearly, I didn't realize he was even older than Sam Richard Geller, but I was like, this man is clearly at least Sam Richard Geller's age. <laughs> um, and then I Googled just to make sure, because I didn't want to feel like a creep for thinking he was attractive. Uh, his name. You got to talk about his name and have a ridiculous name. Oh my God, his name. <laughs> they should have kept his name as Thad Luckinbill, which is the most perfect lunkhead name I've ever heard in my I life. Mean, his, his full name is Thaddeus Roe Luckinbill. I mean, wow. what, a, what a name. I he, So I knew who he was because he was in an episode of Nip Tuck yes. where he plays... Okay, good. Latoya, I was like, ooh, I hope Latoya's seen this show because I knew yes, you would I know, know more specifics. I know this episode very well. <laughs> <laughs> is his character closeted or is he a gay guy that Julian McMahon like helps out or he's is it like, a closeted guy that- He's gay and I believe he's like Richard Chamberlain's like young gay boyfriend and uh, and Julian McMahon's like, hey, come on. You're like, are, are you even actually gay or is it just because this guy is rich basically? And he's trying to be hey, like, okay. you don't need to be around this dude. But then like- um. That like a bill like tr- like tries to fuck <laughs> Julie McMahon and it's a great episode. <laughs> I like Julie McMahon has a type like and it's not Buffy's type like she has a very preppy like season six yeah. she also was dating like the football jock like Buffy likes bad boys Dawn likes the preps and the like mean jocks. <laughs> At least this, <laughs> this one is hotter than the last one in all the way. I just gotta say it. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I just learned today because I was like looking like what's that luck and Bill been up to? Because I knew he like he went back to soap operas, um, but he's also like a, a legit producer now. He was executive oh. producer on La La Land. He was a producer Ooh, on Sicario. Wow. Like he's a, a like a real producer now. Ah, I should probably hold back on slating his name quite so. <laughs> I mean, it's a great name. It's a great white person name. <laughs> oh, it's insane. I've never heard. It also sounds so American to me. I'm like, what even is that? Thad is so close to Chad, but it fancies itself more. Right, yeah. It almost sounds like it would be an American name in like a parody. Like, right? Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the villain of like a John Hughes movie. It's like- right? <laughs> I am so surprised. It surprises me to this day that he like never entered into the WB stable of boys. I'm guessing they thought yeah. Chad Michael Murray like filled the role he would like have basically. Yeah. To the point like- where I couldn't remember if this was Chad Michael Murray <laughs> when I was thinking about this episode. Yeah. But Chad Michael Murray just popped up in Riverdale, didn't he, recently? Oh, yes. So that uh, was as the sexy cult leader. Yeah. Yeah. We love the sexy cult leader. (laughs) But so, okay. So she, I, I think Michelle Trachtenberg is doing, I mean, you're right, Latoya, like, give me a break. She wouldn't be that character, but her acting is really good with the like awkwardness of like, oh, the cool, like jocks are kind of like the, like RJ is kind of like humoring her, but the rest of them are just like, who is this nerdo? I don't want to talk to her. This gave me such visceral flashbacks. Like, right? yes. <laughs> this is was very, real. Yeah, it's very, I mean, Drew's, Drew has a very specific sensibility. Like yeah. it felt very gay to me. Like even the description of his eyelashes felt very <laughs> gay, gay to me. But like I, I had this exact scene in high school many times. So. <laughs> oh, Anthony, that's really sad. I, I feel sorry for you. Well, this specific, I went to an all boys Catholic school, so you can oh, imagine no. how many, you can imagine how many football conversations I had to bluff my way through. And this, this vibe was real. Yeah. Oh, I, I said it was you, like me whenever, whenever I feel like I enter like a hot person's mentions on Twitter, I'm like, Oh, ha ha ha. That's like me trying to like talk to oh, them. No. And- what do we think? Uh, do we think it's a missed opportunity that like RJ wasn't like legit interested in her because like she reminded him of his old nerd life? Because I feel like that there's a like a version of the script which could be where he like actually liked Dawn because she was nerdy in air quotes. It has a bit of that like Owen thing from again season one, never kill a boy on the first date, right? Like Owen was also this incredibly hot dude who like loved Emily Dickinson. And it's like, okay, sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I kind of like that he is a complete non-entity in some ways. Like he literally, there is nothing here at all as a person, which I kind of like. He came into the toxic masculinity after he got cool, basically, instead of just keeping his loves. Yeah, he has no, I also, I also similarly like that, he has nothing to do with this spell. Like there it's not Xander in season three where there is like a deeply troubling, like you put a spell on people. Like he literally has no idea. Right. Like I like that a lot. Yeah, He doesn't, he doesn't know, does he? Cause he puts on the jacket and he seems surprised when (laughs) he changes uh, her attitude. He leans into it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, you know, uh, Xander later on does say like, oh, it must be the jacket. I feel like the like the cutesy must be the jacket is kind of probably what RJ is like. The character is thinking like, oh, it's just like, you know, like ladies are attracted to me in this jacket, not knowing like they're literally only attracted to you in that jacket because <laughs> of the jacket. I mean, granted, also, I mean, again, I <laughs> I go back to like, but he is super hot. Like, it, right? Like. Right, but if he wasn't, it would just be superstar again. We right? need a like flashback it, to like nerd version of him because I need to see if they could even pull it off a nerd version <laughs> of Bill. Like she's all at him, where it's just like he's got glasses. <laughs> he's got glasses and braces, right? Yeah, exactly. Is that it? Yeah, the makeup artists and costumes are like we can't, we can't do anything with this. We can't like nerdify. It's impossible. Can't be done. <laughs> <laughs> you can put glasses on him and he looks hotter somehow. 
Yeah. Four <laughs> is overloading. It can't be done. He's got yeah. me on his overalls and it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I do really like that scene. I think it is like well done. And I think you're right, Anthony. It's like also makes sense that like a queer person would write that scene, like, because it does have those like feelings of inadequacy and invisibility and all that, all that like fun trauma stuff from childhood. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure straight people can relate to it too, but this specific, like, trying to inure yourself through sports felt very visceral to me. Describing to a player of the sport what his sport is (laughs) and the position specifically that he plays in is just so perfect. It's like the worst thing. Like, the quarterback is the most important member of the team. Like, it's insane and it's so cringy. It's perfect because the amount of you're like there's there's like she's desperately grasping around isn't she for some kind of (laughs) like and to go in that way i just i think it's i think that's perfectly pitched yeah Yeah. she's (laughs) and she again michelle trackenberg really gets this i do think she doesn't get as much fun things to do this episode as everyone else which i think is a shame like when we get to the ending it's like oh okay well yeah this isn't funny but (laughs) this episode suggests to me that dawn needs an actual guidance counselor who's not halfrek or her sister right (laughs) licensed therapist is what she needs because the fact that uh, when they all went to, to to wacky zany things, and she went to violence and then suicide, something right. is not right, right with her. To quote the Cold War kids, and she gets <laughs> instead the worst possible option in the season, which is Xander. <laughs> like, that's not who I want telling you about what life is about. <laughs> that's for sure. But it is a foreshadowing, isn't it? I do think that is for like coming up to when she finds out she's not a slayer. You know when yeah. they're kind of towards the end of the season of that kind of dawn feeling like that she doesn't have a lot to offer in terms of, you know, what can she do? She yeah. Has it, that kind of journey again. Her whole like season is about sort of answering that thing Anya said, right? Where it's like, Dawn's not good for anything. And it's like, Ooh, <laughs> how true is this? Is sort of, yeah. <laughs> and it's also the fan response, right? Like coming out of season six, that was the vibe, right? Like oh, yeah. no one wanted her on this show anymore. And a lot of season seven is um, thinking about that, right? Like lessons, the opener is so much about, let us show you how she actually has an interesting interior life and also thinks the shoplifting is kind of weird. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I liked yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so I, Dawn goes home. She's like freaking out. She's looking through the boxes. She finds her cheerleading outfit. We get the cheerleading moment, which very much does feel like a nod to the way, like it's like that scene in the witch. Right. But except for our main character is the one that's messing up. And I can appreciate that because Dawn is, Dawn is a little, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, she's not like lanky, but uh, she's Ungainly? got a lot of arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, got like long arms and long legs. Um, and I kind of like this. Because she's literally the most elegant. Like, she like, has a supermodel body, is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> remember, her, remember her dancing in the musical episode? Like, she's True. literally the most graceful human, and she somehow pulls off this like deer on ice thing. Although, yeah. I guess. In the musical, that's magic. That's making everyone be able to dance. So right, take, right, right. Yeah, exactly. It's like doesn't mean she can dance. You right. do have those growth spurts, though. I suppose um, to I sort of get called the clumsor, the clumsy dinosaur. 
But I just, you know, for my height, but also when in my teen years, I had a big growth spurt, I think, where I got, and I was taller than most people. And you're just awareness of your limbs and sort of where you are. So I feel like that, that kind of reminded me of that a bit, how that can happen in your, your yeah, teenage years. Of, I've never really thought about Dawn as like, what's that? That, that well, I don't know if it's awful. I never watched it, but it's like the the show where it's like, ooh, she's tall. Like, it's, <laughs> it's Dawn is kind of a tall girl, right? Like, she suddenly yeah. got tall, and it actually affects the way we read her as a character. Like, she is actually younger than she seems. She is less comfortable with herself than she seems. Um, it would be easier to understand Dawn if she was still as short as she was in season five, and instead, she's not that. Yeah. Well, and I do think if there's a point to be made that like we don't. The only interactions we see her regularly have are with the Scoobies, who are the adults, right? We don't often see her having successful interactions with other kids her age. Um, and I mean, not that any of these interactions in this episode are successful either, but, you know, like her first encounter with RJ, she's less like in the magic spell. I mean, it's there, but it's not like as intense. Um, and it, that feels more like that's Dawn coming through, not just the magic spell, the like awkwardness of that scene. I think it does a good, in general, like the mystery of this episode is well constructed, right? Like, it's like, oh, something's wrong here when she pushes him down the stairs. And then I never, the first time I didn't guess it was the jacket, right? Like, it does a good job of that. Um, just like a, as like a fun running bit in the episode. They should have kept Amber Tamblin around to like tell Dawn, no, you're crazy, Dawn. Don't do this. <laughs> but also, like, do you ever think there, like, Joss Whedon's like, I should have like booked her for recurring when I had the chance? Cause like 2003 is when Joan of Arcadia started. So, yeah. <laughs> just so weird that you just said that because her name just popped into my head. So simpatico. <laughs> Cause I was like, I'm trying to think of Dawn's other friends. Cause she had in season beginning of season seven, she also had yeah. like Carlos and Kit. Was was that their names? Yeah. Like yeah. she has these like never recurring friends that maybe would have made this episode land a bit more. Yeah. I mean, so the only time Kit is mentioned literally in passing in conversations with dead people, that's who she's on the phone with. Oh, um, right. And I think it would have done her character a service to have her, even if it's like we only see them in little bit parts, just like having her have friends. Um, cause yeah, it feels kind of like she has no friends and like you said, Latoya, she doesn't, she would be kind of popular in school. Like she's well-dressed. She's, I don't know. She, yeah. Right. Yes. She... It would have been really fun if Amber Tamblin had been one of the sl- potential slayers. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like that would have been pretty dope. I think I, I would like gravitate to any potential slayer if that were the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh so we get dawn crying in the house she's in the bathroom she's cut up buffy's cheerleader outfit and i gotta say i feel like even i was thinking about this scene a lot in the way we've talked about dawn on the podcast because even in this scene i feel like they made it a point to not have dawn like yell she's Mm -hmm. kind of like a low upset grumbly like even when she's in her room and she's like freaking out she's still like just go there's no get out get out get out scene and i feel like that had to have been on purpose because they were like oh everyone hates her because of those screaming fits let's make sure in this fit she's not screaming she's just more reserved she gets her quiet crying quota in the others get to do fun stuff and and dawn does a fair amount of crying i think in this issue (laughs) 
<laughs> and again, Xander is again commenting on other people's like love obsessions because he says, remember at the beginning of the episode, he's like basement guys better than, you know, obsessive Buffy guy. And here right. he says, remember when she had a crush on me? I prefer, I prefer the cute me crush. <laughs> Which like doesn't land well considering in the comics they do date. Um, but um also the also, creepiest scene in this episode which is xander saying the words daddy like which oh, I yeah. oh, oh, no. oh, no. we have to talk about this now right now because it's so creepy because he's a high school boy so whoever he's dancing with is most likely a high school girl and yet xander decided to be creepy even not knowing it's dawn like it's, yeah. it's creepy well xander and willow yeah they they're both, both like perfect <laughs> Do they think he's dancing with a grown woman? Like, what is wrong with them? <laughs> oh, um, um th- th- this, and and then Buffy's like immediate response is to insult. <laughs> so wait, so before we get there, uh, so Don grumbles. Don is my water real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. Dawn is actually, like, pretty harsh to Buffy. Like, I almost was like, oh, way harsh, Dawn, when she's like, you don't even know what real love is, dysfunction queen. Like, she's like... Uh, yeah. I feel like that's, like, that, like, John Mulaney bit when he's like, oh, teenagers know right where to get you. They'll, like, right where your self-conscious is where they'll get you. And that's like, oh, way harsh. That's the thing I'm true. sensitive about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so then we cut back to school and Dawn overhears RJ and his friends talking about how the other guy got the quarterback position. She follows the quarterback uh, to the stair- stairwell. And he says like something like, oh, that's just how it works, which like is just how it works. And they're still friends. Um, but then she like pulls some fatal attraction shit and just pushes him <laughs> down. <the stairs>. <laughs> <laughs> which I got to say, Michelle Trachenberg does a good like, it's like the moment of surprise. Like, oh, I did that. And then the like, yeah, I did that. Like that's like what her. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I can I just say, as Fatal Attraction has been referenced, I think if you watch that movie now with fresh eyes, your sympathies are with Alex. I think the sympathies <laughs> are with Glenn Close's character. When you sort of watch it back, you're like, oh no, Michael Douglas is the asshole. Yeah, he's a oh, scumbag. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Douglas in like most things. Oh, what did I? The other one that I watched with him and Sharon Stone. Um, the what's the one with him and Sharon Stone, Michael Douglas and Sharon Stone? Oh, um, damn it! Basic Instinct. Basic instinct. Right. Where he also wears... with him and Demi Moore. Oh yes, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The uh, Basic Instinct is him in a V-neck sweater with nothing underneath and penny loafers, and Catherine Trammell still fucks him anyway. Like, <laughs> there's just there's so much wrong with this kind of journey of like Michael Douglas being like the hot, like so unbelievably hot that people just do mad shit. Anyway, I digress. I mean, Catherine Zeta-Jones married him, so it worked in real life too. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> he also has a magic jacket that like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe it's the sweater from the nightclub. Yeah. yeah. The le- lemon sweater. <laughs> Letter off, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that that it, then that's all of a sudden where we really because up until that point we don't realize it's a spell, do we? Right. We just yeah. think it's Dawn being like having a crush right. on this guy, and we don't really realize that something's up until she shoves the guy down the stairs. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of like the like indication, like oh, this is like definitely not just a regular teenage crush. Um, yeah. We we get the meeting with the principal. I kind of like the principal 
I like that we don't really address the fact that she did push someone down the steps and like the principal's <laughs> just like, oh yeah, that kid lies all the time. White privilege at work, people. <laughs> I watched this on Amazon, um, even though I have the DVDs because I'm that lazy. I couldn't cross the room to get the DVDs, but it's the the stretched widescreen. So it has things on the side you're not supposed to see. Um, and this scene has, the <laughs> when Dawn storms out, she clearly leaves her purse behind, which I found yeah. very funny. <laughs> like... Buffy would have to fetch it for her after her storm out, which I found. Because she's holding it in the next scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you notice that, Emily, because on I watched it on Hulu, and Hulu has the same thing where it's like a little bit stretched, and the you like very obviously notice, like, oh, but her bag's right there on the chair. Yeah. Um, I watched my bag. DVDs because I'm a purist, and uh, I'm ashamed of both of you, actually. Good for you. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> Honestly, the weirdest thing about it is not that it, like, you're like, oh, there's the camera crew. The weirdest thing about it is how empty like the school feels all the time because like, there's no one in the background of anything. It's Ghost very town. strange. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot, right? There's a lot of empty space in that school when you see it that way, like a lot. Is it not still down on students since what happened in end of season three? Like the whole, like, well, I mean, everyone there, yeah. <laughs> those people were graduating anyway, right? right. Like, okay. You just see like 23 year olds also attending because they're like, well, we were a sophomore when it, it, it exploded, yeah. but like now it's that, so it gets going to go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so RJ immediately, like she leaves, RJ immediately like is like, oh, you face the principal, you're cool. But like, do we get, is it supposed to be that he kind of knows she did push him down the steps or is he? Legit, just like, oh, that's cool. You face the principal because I hate him. What do we think? I, I actually don't know. I, I feel like he's pretty oblivious, actually. So I don't think he knows. But, you know, because okay. he, he he says that, like, pr Principal Wood, like, calls him into his office all the time. So he does think he probably does think it's cool that she was able to face the principal. Which, again, she got away with push, pushing a kid down the stairs with no investigation, really. White privilege. <laughs> <laughs> So we cut to the bronze. The breeders are playing. We talked about that Xander, Buffy, and Willow. Even and then I Buffy will say says, "What's that shirt made of paint?" So like Buffy's yeah. response is, and also that's a peak early aughts outfit. It's yeah. just so like it looks like a giant moth has taken bites out of out of that top. It's like <laughs> something Buffy would wear to to work, actually. So. Yeah, it's it's kind of cute. Like I like it with the jacket, especially like later. Yeah, I think with the jacket. What jacket is she wearing? Is it the red leather jacket she's got? It's not the red leather, ja the red suede jacket. I think it's just a denim jacket that she puts on. Right. Yeah, I like yeah. the necklace. And also, Dawn knows what all of us knew as teenagers. In order to look much older than you are, all you have to do is wear hoop earrings and like. Yeah. It's the volume in your hair. <laughs> the volume in your hair, you wear hoop earrings, you automatically look like older. It's back to what we were saying about Buffy looking older. Like as soon as those season five hoops and like yeah. gorgeous hair, like, but it's like, that's so much work. You kind of have to kind of already have to have a master's degree before your hair looks like that. <laughs> it takes work. <laughs> as we all know, Sarah Michelle Geller has a master's degree in hair. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't have bangs at some some of the points in this episode. I'm like, she's got these wispy, like I'm saying bangs because I would say fringe, but you guys say bangs, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. it's sort of not, not happening fringe and then happening, and it's confusing. I there was like a meme when we were kids that 
you could tell when it was a funny episode of Buffy because she had bangs. And it's kind of true. <laughs> Men's is, is, is in the middle because of how short those bangs are. Um, <laughs> but I was just saying, um, her, her specific hair in this episode actually also reminds me, like, it's like a kind of a remix of her season one hair, which goes into, I was saying, this is an early season episode on Crystal Meth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right. That hair is, because that, like, she would have had that hair, but, like, it would have looked slightly different but that's like a hair she, hairstyle she would have had in season one um so they you know dander does his daddy like uh buffy calls her a slut bag hussy um and then they realize they have the reveal that it is dawn that i always thought i put this in my notes i always thought it was like the funniest that he's like oh i didn't and when willow was like right there with you but now as an adult i'm like mm, not great like, yeah, that was a little bit, this is clearly a teenager you, you creeps <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but see again like then it's like yeah i don't know because yeah she actually is michelle dragonberg wasn't too far from the, that age right like i think the actress wasn't too far from how old she was playing i think yeah i think she is she's almost the same age as dawn i think yeah yeah how old's dawn in this episode 15 <laughs> is she yeah, like 15, 16, I think. Oh, good Lord. Is she really? Oh, my God. Let's see, again. <laughs> Let's do some research, you guys. Let's, Tall uh... girls grow up too fast. <laughs> Michelle Trachtenberg was born in 1985. So 35 yeah, so only... now. And she would have been, yeah, she would have been like 16, 17 when they shot this. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, she's only two years younger than me. Huh. Um, also, it's so out of character. For... Xander's never said anything like that before. Yeah. No, he and like he, he says has. stupid shit. He's said creepy things before. Let's not pretend. <laughs> and like, and like daddy, like, like that level of like. Yeah, I mean, the worst is still to come in this season with Xander being inappropriate. Let's not forget uh, the the sex dream he has about the potentials later this season. Oh yeah! Oh, <laughs> oh my god! god. Or Rachel Bill literally blocked that out. I literally forgot that happened. Wow. I knew you were going to say because yeah, the, the the also important fact is that it's Rachel Bilson's only role in the whole season is playing that girl. That she, she was so lucky she booked the OC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um, Buffy confronts Dawn. They have they both kind of are really harsh with each other. Like when Buffy is like, I'm so glad mom isn't here to see you. And it's like, all right, let's, let's relax. Like she's just, she's just showing her mid drift, which looks yeah. great. Good for you. And we all um, know and just like, love to fuck anyway. So like, shut yeah. up, Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, sex in the hood of a police car. Come on. Joyce wasn't a prude. <laughs> Joyce was putting it down at the gallery after hours. We all know this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so i then we get the scene that you mentioned tiff it's jordan peterson style people anyway i always feel like jordan peterson looks like someone joyce would date oh no that's we never did see brian we never saw that last i I also think that brian is just like anthony stewart head but like with an american accent it's like the ross russ thing from friends Come to think of it, Jordan Peterson is basically Ted the homicidal robot who's like got the values of the 1950s, right? And like wants you to go mini golfing and clean your room. That's totally... My favorite favorite bit is when she thought she'd killed Ted and she got really depressed and just wore dungarees. Oh, yeah. you've never seen Buffy and dungarees. The dungarees of sadness, as they would call them across the pond. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I feel like Buffy only wore those when she was sad. <laughs> she did. And that's how we knew back in the day, uh, used, that's how we knew when someone was sad on television, if they, if they wore overalls. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well so they buffy follows her or dawn leaves after they have that confrontation dawn has a confrontation with uh westworld girl and she immediately calls dawn a slut they start wrestling on the ground and buffy breaks them up i you know what i I still i don't know why but it makes me laugh every time when she fucking kicks buffy in the shin and runs away (laughs) it's so silly it's also like Buffy's a slayer. Like, I don't think, like, a teen girl kicking her in the shin would really, like, it's do like, much. It's a quick, sharp pain, you know? Those always hurt. Yeah, it's the, it's true. A, like, stubbing your toe. Like, that's going to hurt more than, like, a vampire punching you in the face, you know? <laughs> Fair. Uh, I also, I don't know if any of you noticed this. I was thinking about this when watching it. I think that's the same jacket she wears at the end of the season when she saves them all from the Uber vamps after the explosion. She's wearing a like brown coat and it looks just like this one. So I think it might be the same one. Oh, I didn't clock. Um, but And I do like Buffy's reaction of, well, at least there's someone else who thinks you shouldn't be dating RJ. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, where the hell are we now? Now we, we cut the sunny down, right? Uh, I think it's the scene where she, yeah, it's the RJ comes out of the principal's office and Buffy becomes attracted to him. Right. That's where she's dressed like a governess. That's yes, the, with the plaid, <laughs> the plaid skirt. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> no, like this. It's a silky skirt, I think, in a like a. Um, oh no, that's a, that's a later scene. The plaid skirt. Yes. That's she goes full on schoolgirl for that. I think. Yeah. Oh, and she has a costume. Like, yeah, Catholic right. schoolgirl. Yeah. Oh, she's totally. That's what she's doing. Oh, I can't believe I didn't clock that. Yeah. <laughs> but she's got like the Victoriana. Like, I, there's a look of Buffy. She does like peasant tops and chokers and stuff like that quite well yeah. in this season. The season before. It's 2002. The, the the height of the peasant top. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. I say like, I would wear them all the time if we had the weather. Which we don't, but uh, but she has that kind of like almost like it's a kind of hint of Victoriana, a kind of like lacy high necked kind of yeah top with a with a thing, and I just I think she's so funny in this. I think it's so funny when she says I'm basically to see what always makes me laugh when Buffy's under the thrall, so to speak, rather than a spell. I just like to use the thrall, but she's it's so on the nose and forthright. Because of course it is, because it's Buffy. So there's right. no subcontext. It just immediately becomes context, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it's like, I'm basically the same age as you, but with sexual experience and stuff. <laughs> it's pretty much how I love that. I love this sex positive Buffy. Like, just. Uh, she gets uh, sex yeah. positive finally when it comes to like statutory, but before that, oh no. <laughs> well i will say um this pandemic sure is killing me because i was like "Ooh, this is sexy when they both like she's like with more sexual experience it gives like a half smile and then he smiles and is like i know what you're talking about and like nothing happens but i was like fanning myself watching that scene (laughs) uh so another teacher walks in and she's like oh well uh," and like kind of like covers up over it and like excuses him he leaves um I will say without the jacket, I realized even how much hotter that man is. Um, <laughs> the way that the way the sleeves gripped his arms. Ooh, look great. That that was when I was like, well, let me look up. Am I allowed to like think this? Because in my brain, I was like, he might be 20, even though I know that's okay. But he's the same age as Sarah Michelle, two years younger, two years older than Sarah Michelle Geller. 
Um, so he puts on his jacket, blah, blah, blah. He leaves. Cut to Dawn. Wait, what? Oh, Dawn comes home and she thinks she's caught by Buffy, but Buffy lies to her uh, and is like, well, I talked to RJ. He really likes you, but like back off a little bit. You're coming on too strong. It's so good. It's just like a perfect gaslight. It's so. <laughs> but we know he doesn't like to be chased. Yeah, it's so great. Did she say, I'm, I'm the pushy queen of Slut Town, which I think we should all aspire to be. Yeah, t-shirt, t-shirt material for sure. <laughs> One day we all will be in the queens of Slut Town. <laughs> in the future, uh, everyone will be queen of Slut Town for 15 minutes. I don't think that was Andy Warhol who said that. Uh, I believe it was Emily Dickinson, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. She she lies to her. Um, what else happens after that? Um, oh, the next day is immediately. I said <laughs> the next the next day. Buffy immediately goes for that dick, and good for her. <laughs> she she like you said, it is schoolgirl. It's very like Britney Spears. It's got like the short plaid skirt, like a button up top that's like a little bit open. Um, and she's immediately like, oh, we got to see RJ in the guidance counselor's office, and she just brings him into a room and is like, we're gonna do this. Um, uh, but so, again, deeply, deeply inappropriate, right? Like, right, she, right like, yes. <laughs> like, absolutely. And again, like the, the, the vibe is the episode really like tonally controls itself very well, but like, yes. I do like how this is quite, it has a sinister energy too. Yes. Because it feels like one of those, like, Ooh, she's like kind of she, well, not kind of she is being predatory and she's like mm, i'm gonna bring this student to a closed room and we're going to fuck um like she's just i i have trouble like with that because they those actors look like they're the same age right like when they're together it's like yes these look like actors that would be dating in another show because they are clearly right. well i mean welcome to the early 2000s yeah, right? he, yes at the same yeah. time he looks like someone who they would cast in a upn or wb show to be a teenager <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> like he would be on riverdale as like a freshman yeah and i mean well, this uh, was a plot that shows like pretty little liars played straight right like this was a like oh, the first yeah. season arc of that show so okay. like that's the entire series arc of that entire show no, they I end up together um, good lord no they do what? they really they do they get their happy Ugh. ending um yeah don't get me Wait, started on sure Little Liars. Yeah, oh, it, it's even worse once like when it's because now I have to talk about it when it starts you're like oh he didn't know she was a student like he didn't know how old she was fast forward like a few seasons later it's like oh he knew how old she was when he preyed on her because he was like investigating like her and all of her friends he knew when he's like let's have a secret relationship yeah you and that's what's so great about this episode right it's like before all of that Buffy is already burlesquing the culture that in many ways it helped create, right? Like with the Buffy and Angel stuff and everything. And like, obviously I already talked about Twilight, but like here it is already being like, okay, here's why all of that is both goofy and obviously deeply dangerous, right? Like, uh, I mean, someone's going to bust out a bazooka in a minute. Yeah. (laughs) One Tree Hill had that storyline as well, I think. Didn't Peyton... Uh, no, it was, um, um, I think season two, it was Brooke and then the, the teacher played by Ray Valentine. But like, it was, yeah, it was like really passe by that point. But then, you know, Pretty Little Liars made it the whole show. Come <laughs> to think of it, Dawson's Creek has it too, right? Pacing oh, yeah, the teacher. That's yeah, that's yeah. pretty yeah. Really? Yeah. 
That's how that's how it starts. Pacey is like sleeping with his teacher at the beginning of Dawson's Creek. Tamara, Miss Jacobs. <laughs> Tamara, yes. Oh my god. Oh, the name's so perfect. I mean, you uh, have a WB historian on the podcast now, so just like keep them coming. I'll tell you all yeah. about all of them. Boy knows all of them. This, this uh, seduction feels peak orts because it's Coldplay again. I think it's from Russia right. Blood to the Head, right? Yes, Coldplay, what a great like, album. Um, yeah. So, were they, could we? Song. Is this again like the Breeders on the way down? Is this Coldplay and the Shins on the way up? Is that what's happening? It's definitely Coldplay on the yeah. way up. Yeah, yeah, okay. and the shins because it's before Garden State. Yeah, right. so I, like a big I, feature. You know, I was about to ask, but wait, did Garden State? Because Garden State kind of like they're that the whole soundtrack is them. So I was kind of thinking, like, did this? It had to have come out around the same time, but no, I think it would. You're right; it would have been a few years later that Garden State came out. Yeah, yeah, wild. Oh, uh, and so, also the debut of Dawn's ugly red suede blazer. I really hate her jacket in this. <laughs> really ugly. It's the shape is wrong, the color is horrible, and so and that's her that's her jacket she's wearing when she, you know, she witnesses what's going on. Right. So Dawn runs out of the school because she does stumble upon the the classroom door window to see Buffy and RJ. Uh, Xander is just outside and she sees him of the school, um, which I guess he's working construction on the other half of the school. So sure. Um, Xander once again has to be the voice of reason, which is wild. And he's like, because RJ's like, oh, do you ever knock, bro? And he's like, uh, it's a classroom. Like, I do I like the he... line, get off the boy, Buffy. We're going yeah. home. <laughs> uh, because so... there is the thing she could do real damage. That's the other thing, I guess, right. underpinning while she's got him pinned down. She is the slayer. And if the slayer, you know. Right. She can't have the sex she has with Spike with this. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a sentence. Um, oh God, so, oh God, yeah. You know, I wanted to ask what you all thought. Uh, I think Latoya and I have talked about this before. So I once lost Buffy trivia because my team refused to believe me that she did not have sex with RJ and put, it was like, how many people during the course of the show does Buffy have sex with? Um, and they were like, no, it's, I forget what the official number, I think it's four or three. Uh, four, yes. And they're like, no, it's five because she has sex with RJ. And I was like, no, she does not have sex with RJ. There's no way on this show they wouldn't make it a big deal if she had sex yeah. with him. Yeah. And they're like fully clothed when Xander walks in. She's just like on top of him. Right? Do you guys, what do you guys yeah. think? I don't think she, I don't think they did. She's unbuttoned. Yeah. It makes me feel like she like sort of pinned him down, but he's sort of going with it obviously a bit as well. Right. But um, she's sort of on top of him and they're like making out to use yeah. your phrase, is what I sort of got. I didn't think okay. there was anything more than that. Maybe more was going to happen, but right. obviously Xander coming in prevents that happening. Okay. Because I even looked up on the... That was one thing that I was like, I want to look to see what other fans think. And on the like Buffy Wikipedia, it says, like, it is never stated one way or the other. Uh, one assumes she did not. And I was like, okay. That's what I always thought. Because um, also I think that it's like... If, like yeah it would deflate the balloon of the episode right like it yeah. would just be it would be too much it becomes too much about yeah. this plot which especially, the episode clearly doesn't want us to think about too much especially when the show is are, like in this episode like talking about rape frankly and then it's like do you want to bring statutory rape into this i don't think yeah. you do <laughs> right yeah. yeah we literally saw her flinch when spike touched her right like it's right. not it can't go there here now okay yeah that's that's what i thought so they He's like, come on, get off the boy, as you said. 
they go home. I really appreciate that immediately. There's no research. There's no, they're like, yep, this is a love spell. Yep, this is what's happening. There's no, <laughs> there's no discussion on it. It's just Anya, Willow, and Xander like know what it is and are like, well, we got to figure out how to undo this love spell because that's what this is. Um, and the show does that often when there's like a beat like that. And I just, I appreciate it because at this point, I feel like especially the three of them would absolutely recognize a love spell, right? Like it tracks. Yes. Yeah, this goes to Latoya's point, right? Like this episode is, I mean, it's definitely Buffy in its baroque phase, right? Like it's it's Buffy on drugs now. Like they don't need they the characters themselves know the conventions of the genre at this point, so they can skip all the math parts and immediately be like, it must be that guy who's in this picture. (laughs) Go to his house. He is wildly miscast but um like he's actually pretty cute i think i don't know maybe it's well, just me maybe i have a type he's properly mis- he's probably because you thought he was like slightly cute that means that like when he had the like you know the jacket he was probably hot i mean he's not bad looking bill hot but at least this was someone they could ugly up yeah yeah um, he just kind of looks like he's let himself go a bit as opposed to right <laughs> like he's had a bad couple of years or something and he's lance is it lance lance yeah uh, uh, what's great about this is that he slams Xander for being a geek at school, and also he slams he slams Xander knowingly and Spike unknowingly. Right. We <laughs> never we never get to see Spike's response because he goes, "I found poetry under the bed, and it was his." <laughs> and we do, it cuts to Spike, but you sort of don't get to see his reaction. And that obviously uh, being such a huge part of Spike's story with all the poems that he wrote before, you know, yeah. he became well, a vampire. I gotta say, I love that the cut we do get to Spike is him just, like, turning around an angel statue. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It, it is weird. Anthony, you mentioned this. It is weird. Spike doesn't really... I, I don't think he even says a word in this scene. Yeah, I really like it. I like that he is fully coasting through this episode. <laughs> um. James yeah, Masters I mean, is like, I just got to show up and look hot. Great. That's, I, I can yeah. do that. <laughs> um, also, fun, fun trivia fact. This actor is the voice of Garrus Vicarian from Mass Effect, which if you've played Mass Effect is a very important character. Um, and there is a lot of gross art about him online. <laughs> so, <laughs> he has a very beautiful voice, um, which I really like here. Huh. All right. Well, so right before they actually get to the dad's house, though, they do do a little like talking. And I... <laughs> I feel I do feel bad for Dawn. And I mean, we're we're supposed to right? when she's like, you're not supposed to do this. And Buffy's like, because I'm old. And she's like, no, because like I trusted you and like runs upstairs. Um, I kind of like that Willow, Xander and Anya are like, well, they're fighting. Let's go walk away. Like they're not even they're not going to try because they know they're not going to win. So they're just like, let's just try to do the spell. You know who, who would try? Tara. She would try. She would. She oh, would have. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry. You got to make it depressing, <laughs> Latoya. <laughs> she would try. <laughs> can <laughs> i would actually love to see amber benson though like on the the, the love juju for this episode yeah <laughs> it'd be hilarious so we get i don't i wanted to ask if you all noticed so xander like lovingly talks about his love spell we get the quick flashback oh fuck we, that <laughs> we flash back to him like leaning on his hand the look on anya's face she's like looking at him like she's going to murder him and i love it <laughs> Yes. She's yes. like like shooting daggers at him with her face and her squinted eyes. 
um, before Buffy comes in and is like, ooh, let me see if there's pictures of RJ. I mean, yeah, that's, that's what I was doing because, like, you know, he's supposed to have learned his lesson from that love spell, but he's like, oh, no, this is great memories of when I, like, took away everyone's free will. Right. <laughs> and, the Which main, he... and the main person you see in the flashback is Joyce. Like, we're just, <laughs> like oh, we're all on Joyce. After Xander's balls. I feel weird. I feel weird. <laughs> it is weird how she keeps coming up in this episode for some reason. Like we keep having these conversations about Joyce she that may be I don't understand. Why. And I'm sure it means nothing at all, and they won't address it at all. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure it means nothing. <laughs> she would never come back in the next episode. Um, <laughs> so they what? What the hell are we, Anthony? <laughs> Did we talk? We talked um, about the dad. My oh, next yeah, note. So- is the amazing line, AJ is my best friend and dearest <laughs> darling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Followed so, by my second favorite line, uh, Willow, you're a gay woman. I can work around it. Like that's <laughs> I can uh, see so, his soul. I do like Willow's response to that, unless it's in his ass. I don't really yeah. know. <laughs> and also, no Buffy for you. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> quickly I, I, kind, I kind of love that when RJ comes to the door, like Willow and Anya both are like going into panic mode because they know that they'll get affected by it. And they're just like, go away, go away. But then they're immediately affected. And I love the cut to them arguing, which has so many good lines in it. And Anya's like, I would kill for him. And Willow's like, you would kill for a chocolate bar. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's I think great, I was... yeah. It's a great comedic scene, isn't it? And the objectification, just that moment before of RJ feels really nice. It's just a nice bit of female gaze. Yeah. Just sort of like yeah. <laughs> kind of following him out and the head's tilting to the side. And I do perfect. wish his pants were better. I wish his pants showed off the goods a little better than they do. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad you said it. I'm glad you said it. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2002. And did not know how to wear pants yet. Like it was, <laughs> I was like, I have talked about this man being hot enough. I don't need to mention that I wish his pants were tighter. Well, I mean, again, like to Tiff's point, it would be better if we were implicated in the gaze a bit more. Like we're not, like it, it just it would work better for what's happening in this scene. <laughs> you don't need his pants to be tighter because you did see his bare ass in that episode of Nip Tuck. So. I mean, yes. So in case you all want to see, you can see it in an episode of Nip Touch. <laughs> Definitely uh, but, that does not hold up. It didn't hold up at the time, but there you go. <laughs> um, so I, I will say the, the season seven costume designer who I have do, uh, Matt Van Dyne, who does some of the outros, he does say that sometimes when he watches these episodes to talk about the fashion in them, that he'll be like, oh, those pants are so, like, he was like, oh, Xander's in so many baggy pants. <laughs> I think Xander's wearing a Czech shirt that he maybe wore in season one in this. I could be wrong. At the oh, beginning would... of the episode, I was like, that's like a kind of like cheesecloth kind of Czech thing that I feel like he wore a lot of in season one. I he wears a, a lot of them <laughs> this season. <laughs> well, he's dressed as a construction. Like there's that pan from his shoes earlier in the episode, which is like, whoa, those are yeah. the worst shoes I've ever seen. But they're construction shoes, so whatever. Right. Right, yeah. Construction. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, there was also I'm that trying to mask of, it up here. Oh my God, flashbacks again. like bowling tops and silky blouse on at one point. I remember right. there being silky blouse, bowling top. He went a bit Chandler for yeah. a little while. Like, <laughs> So I feel this is getting back to the good, what we call a standard barbecue boyfriend look. 
using that immediately stealing that right away <laughs> and now we're gonna have a scene reading with lonnie diane rich reading as willow alex Cack reading as anya me ian carlos crawford reading as dawn and kirsten white reading as buffy but you don't even know him yes i do i looked into him and saw his soul he was walking away, so unless his soul was in his ass... AJ is my best friend and my dearest darling. It's RJ, and what you were picking up on was his deep caring and devotion to me. What's going on? Willow thinks she's in love with my boyfriend, RJ. What? No, you two can't do this. Willow, you're a gay woman, and he isn't. This isn't about his physical presence. It's about his heart. His physical presence has a penis. I can work around it. This isn't fair. How can you all be doing this to me? Okay, wait. Everyone wait. Just calm down, okay? I I think I know what this is. Clearly, you've both been affected by the same love spell that got Dawn. Ugh, this isn't a spell. He owns my heart. Dawn, be quiet. We're trying to work this out. We don't need you interfering. There's a simple answer to this. Just think about who loves him the most. Clearly, I do, since I'm willing to look past the whole orientation thing. I need him. Well, you're going to have to do better than that. I'd kill for him. <sighs> You'd kill for a chocolate bar. No. Yes, kill for him. I'm the Slayer. Slayer means kill. Oh, I'll kill the principal. Ooh, that's hard to top. Yeah, well, I have skills. I can prove my love with magic. Yeah, right. What are you going to do? Use magic to turn him into a girl? Damn. <laughs> okay, that was good, guys. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Though, what are you going to do? Make him a woman? Damn. Like, Emma Caulfield, I, Anthony, I think you said this, but I really wish she had been, like, part of the love spell earlier because she's so good with these, oh, yeah. like, ridiculous lines. This scene... If I had one thing to say, it's that this scene should have been five, six scenes earlier, just because it's so fun immediately. And I would have loved to have seen more, even though the four way split screen is really hilarious. Like, I would have loved to have seen these plots in deep more detail because <laughs> they're all so great. And I guess part of the joke is that they're so quickly disposed of. But like Emma Caulfield makes a meal of every line. Like she turns a yeah. phrase in ways I never expect. And like these beats right up until the end where she's like, my treat for ice cream is so good. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say that both myself and my mother are so happy. She's getting that Marvel money now. Like good oh, for yeah. her. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Me. People keep being like, I wish the pacing was faster on WandaVision. I'm like, I wish it was slower. I wish we were doing 10 episodes of this sitcom with I, Emma Caulfield and the Starring years. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if it means that there's no actual character development. I'm like, you know what? Their old school sitcoms are funny. This is good. Sorry yeah. that you're, you're, you don't understand TV and your brain is broken because you've binge watched everything, but this is good, actually. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If we had done this for years with Emma Caulfield playing like the alpha woman on the block, I would have lived for it. I mean, the, the I think she's got one of the most iconic. I think I did it. Sometimes I do like little TV and movie impressions on my Twitter and Insta and stuff. And I did um, I did her scene from um, uh, the Joyce's funeral thing. You know, there's Oof. there's oh. just a body and she's not in it anymore. And it's it's so affecting and beautiful. I think Emma Caulfield is so hugely underrated. I yeah. think she's her performance in this is phenomenal. That sort of becoming human and understanding all of that 
And she has all of that again this kind of season, but with much more funny kind of zingers. Why don't you just masturbate like everyone else? You know, <laughs> all of those kind of lines that she has that are just, you know. Um, I, yeah, I think she's. I think she's fantastic. And I do yeah. feel like you feel like she could almost have. You could give her. You could write anything for her, and she can turn her hand to. You know, as much as I hate to like rave about another actor as much, but she really she can turn her hand to it all. You know, she yeah. can do the comedy beats and the emotions so well. She and, has the range. She I mean, does. That's, that's the thing about like Whedon versus actors that you always say they can like do anything, which is why it's always so weird when some of them don't like hit as much post these shows. It's like yeah. they can do it all. What's wrong with you people? <laughs> well, there's a universe where she got to play six on Battlestar Galactica, and I would love to have been in that universe, even I though I love that, Trisha Halfer. Uh, it'd be a different show. Like, it really would change the whole it, texture of that show. It'd be fascinating. I would I would actually, I would love to see it. It'd be so fascinating. But I do love Trisha, and my friends got me a Trisha cameo uh, for my birthday last year, and it was very good. <laughs> oh, she's nice. amazing in it. And, like, it literally, like, I mean, it may not even be... It might have even been a, as good a show, but it would have been a fascinating because she plays that kind of robotic. It's what they're using her for on WandaVision, right? Like that kind of Stepford wife thing yeah, yeah. that Anya yeah. does too. Yeah, um, once more with feeling, she's yeah. like sort of encapsulating. Yeah, she's, she's like very, born in the wrong era. And then, yeah, that they don't use a lot, but when they do, it's like, well, why aren't you doing this all the time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so then we cut. Is it right? Yeah, right after this, we have like the like 70s music and we cut to the like four screen, which I love as like a visual. I love that you say 70s music and not heist music, which is what it actually is. <laughs> fair, fair. I, I thought it was like a Charlie's Angel. And yeah, then my other. Uh, is it Ocean's Eleven? Like, it's like is Ocean's it meets Charlie's Angels is what they're doing, or like, or like a hustle leverage situation. And it is hilarious when Buffy just takes out a rocket launcher. I mean, like, there's just, like, the level to which... I love that kind of slapsticky element of it. I just, you know, you've sort of got Willow doing a spell, that standard. Right. Uh, Anya's putting on a, a balaclava. <laughs> you know, but then just Buffy just appearing with, a, a like, a rocket launcher. I thought, you know, Buffy could just snap his neck. But right. she's come... She's just... <laughs> Come with a rocket launcher. Going for the drama. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously they're not going to tip their hand that Robin Wood could like fight back if she tried to snap his neck, you know? But a yes, rocket launcher, yeah. he can't fight a fucking rocket launcher. Yeah, true, true. Of course, he's the, he's the son of a slayer, isn't he? I yeah, forget they that. never yeah. returned yeah. the rocket launcher to the military after they stole him. <laughs> yes. I, I would notice, really. <laughs> I love the idea that it just sat in Buffy's fucking basement for like however many years. <laughs> also, I'm like, why did she use it against Glory? Like, it probably wouldn't have stopped her, but it probably would have been useful to like repel her a little bit, right? It could have been like a death becomes her riff if like they rocket launched her and there's just like a big hole in her gut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i love like even emma caulfield's like faces when she's like walking up before she pulls the mask down are so good and like this is i saw on buffy wiki i meant to take a note of it but i think they say like in the context of the show it's like the fourth time we've ever seen buffy drive because she's like driving fast and chaotically like the every other time it was like the joke was that she's a bad driver because she doesn't have her license so i don't know if that was continuing it or just like whatever but I love the panic of like, I got to get this rocket launcher out. I got to kill the prince. Looks, I got to impress this guy. <laughs> uh, 
And like him sitting at his desk while her and Spike wrestle behind the window is like such a good visual gag. Listening to smooth jazz. God, why yeah. is <laughs> this beautiful man so basic? Yes. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Also, it feels it feels very kind of yeah, it's just good old school slapstick, isn't it? Yeah. It feels like it could be Laurel and Hardy, like kind of it's the chasing out in the the kind of chasing back in, in the back of the shot as well. So there's the rugby tackle, then there's the chase, and then there's the or what you guys would call football <laughs> tackle probably. Um and it's 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 beautiful. It's I love it so much. And then of course poor Dawn. Um the only saving grace is that when she's on those train tracks, that disgusting red jacket is getting all dusty. So she probably has to bin it <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah. Again, also, big bummer also, of the Dawn plot here. Yeah, but it's real sad. It is a kind of like, and then that becomes like, just when you think this is just a funny, funny, silly episode, then it's just tackling something huge again, isn't it? Because we're getting into, you know, suicide and suicide is the is the scary thing in here. We've got no villain. It's love right. is and, and feelings of inadequacy. And that's just a really, I really, I really feel for Dawn in that moment. And I still hate the jacket. yeah it's um i mean especially in an like we still teach kids i i have taught kids romeo and juliet right like um we still give them these narratives about like oh love love is the biggest thing and like buffy gives those narratives and to have buffy say uh no guy is worth your life not ever that's like a big deal right to me at least as like a as much as this is the goofiest, zaniest episode, like it's kind of cool that as it was winding down, this show took a minute to be like, let's take the temperature of these ideas for a second. Yeah. And I, you know what? I, I, I like that. I mean, this is why Buffy is like our hero, right? It's like our hero is still under this love's bell, just almost, you know, rocket launcher to the fucking principal, but still is like pausing to be like, why are you doing this? like a dude isn't worth your life and saving her sister and i like that that kind of is like what takes her out of the love spell because even when she's like oh that guy is so that boy is so hot and then immediately is like oh i think i'm under all this spell here like (laughs) (laughs) like it's such a good realization um but also we didn't discuss dawn has the really good line of i can't compete with you you're older and hotter and have sex that's rough and kill people I think it's like such a good line and her delivery of like all of it at once is really good. (laughs) Kind of then just get our resolution, right? We kind of like wrap it up pretty quick after Buffy saves her. We get Xander and Spike. They're just like, all right, we got to do this. Because again, Spike doesn't say anything. Xander just says like, you know what we need to do? And Spike just like nods. (laughs) They just run and attack RJ and pull off his jacket and then throw it in the fire, which I think... again it's like like you said Anthony's like taking the temperature of what they're doing and then it's just like all right well let's wrap up that plot because it's not as important it literally does not matter also i love the complete lack of payoff that anya robbed a bank (laughs) like Like that and just like turns off the radio as they're talking about what does she claim she did i can't remember now she wrote him a really epic love poem (laughs) (laughs) and she's like rambling her way through trying to say what the poem was right and like once again like Anya's money issues now have the biggest land like there was always a question of like where does her income come from and now it's like she's just loaded for the rest of the show <laughs> yeah 
robbed a bunch of banks, which is good. <laughs> I also like the idea of Anya being really good at robbing banks. <laughs> that makes sense. I think that it does. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, Latoya, Tiff, what do you guys think of this ending where Anya's, you know, she's like, hmm, ice cream, my treat, and turns off and it ends on that beat. I'm I'm much uh, better with her not having, you know, repercussions for her actions and, you know, Dawn pushing a boy down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> and then you be like, did you do it? No. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one could make the argument that maybe later on they were like, they did tell the principals are, which is like, it was a spell, it's the hell mouth. And then he was like, all right, well, whatever. They Why didn't. did she rob a bank, though? What was the plan after she dropped <laughs> the bank? She, I love it because she, she like, is leaving the house. And she's like, I know what will work. And that's what she yeah. does. <laughs> it's like an ADR line where they're like, yeah. what can I give him? And she's, she seems to have decided he would like some money. <laughs> money is the most important to her thing to her. So she thinks that money is the most important thing to everyone, you know? <laughs> yes, yeah, I suppose that makes sense bit more sense um this is why she's still dra- dressed as shane from the l word right right yeah. so, has she had her hair cut since last she episode has her hair cut and her hair's she seems to go darker when she's back into darker hair when she's back into vengeance demon mode but then i think she goes blonde again or like a reddish sort of mid like kind of strawberry blonde later on Man, it just really it doesn't, put her hair through it on this I, show, I, didn't I, I worry about emma caulfield's like hair health all the time <laughs> it yes. was fun to watch it change every week but i'm like this isn't good for you girl yeah <laughs> i guess it's a good character beat for someone who doesn't know who she is that she's like compulsively changing her hair um but damn yeah, yeah that's like a lot to put yourself through but so, also the clothing the clothing does feel very out of step and maybe it is about her trying to find her. They're not very on your outfits, are they? Maybe she's and she's mm-hmm. going through this, you know, probably yeah. She's going through guilt and pain, and they're her version of the dungarees of sadness. Yes, it's <laughs> jeans. Yes, you know she'd be wearing these cute little handkerchief tops and like silky skirts and bias cut dresses, or she's doing that kind of Stepford wife look that you've talked about before. She's normally doing something. It's like a look. And, and these feel very much like there is no look. It's just yeah. I've some things and I put them on. And it's like a not- Natalie Imbruglia torn video. Yes. Moment. Yeah. <laughs> that is the dog, actually. That's what's happening here. <laughs> Nothing's thing. right. She's torn. She's all <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, that leads us to the end of the episode. And joining us now is Buffy Season 7 costume designer Matt Van Dyne to give us a fashion rundown on him. Hi, Matt. Hey, hey, everybody. So glad to have you back as always. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. So tell us what you remember from him. Well, um, I did find my script. I had my script. (laughs) And of course, my memory is as good as maybe I had hoped, because when I was looking back at my script uh, for the opening scene at the football field, Mm -hmm. I remembered, I thought, oh, this is the episode. And a <laughs> couple, of, couple of things really stood out for me in that episode, uh, or in that scene from that episode. Right. Was, was, um, it was a big undertaking to order a lot of the uh, football gear for 
the football players and they were scrimmaging on the field and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would shoot out in Northridge. I think it was at the, I think it was Northridge, the college at Northridge, I believe. And they, they were very protective of the, the turf on their football field. And they said, nobody can wear spiked, uh, spiked cleats on the field. Well, hmm. I was very specific about that when I ordered from, I think the company we used was called Sports Robe. And I said, <laughs> I said, we can't have, you know, anything with spikes on them. Well, sure enough, when everything was delivered, they, oh, no. they sent spikes at the last minute. Oh, God. And, and I'm like, what in the world? So in a mad rush, uh, I had to, to get sports room on the phone. And, uh, we finally got the right shoes out there for the, for the ball players So they wouldn't basically destroy, destroy right. the turf on the field. <laughs> and then another thing that came up for me in that scene was at the end of the scene where Buffy and Dawn are speaking, mm. uh, Buffy, Sarah picks up her purse and leaves the scene. Well, for some reason, and I did, it wasn't anything I had any involvement in at that point, uh, the purse was missing. The purse wasn't, it seems, sent to the location. Now, the location was many miles away from where I was in Santa Monica. Well, I get a phone call from Sarah. Oh, geez. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm in my office, and I basically everybody else was on location and Sarah was none too happy. And I didn't blame her at all because I thought, well, it was supposed to be there. And, uh, I, I certainly apologized to her for it and, uh, promised her that nothing like that would happen again. And it never did after that. And, uh, I was able to send a runner and rush that purse out there in time for her to, okay. to have it for the end of that scene. And, <laughs> That's wild, man. <laughs> and that was very important, very important. And what else I remember uh, looking at the clothing, of course, that was a big Dawn episode. Yeah. And uh, that uh, outfit that stood out in my mind was that, I would call it the poochie printed top that she wore, um, <laughs> which was a favorite uh, of the, uh, Michelle's because Michelle loved the designer Mark Jacobs. So anything from Mark Jacobs was a winner. So <laughs> we put her in that uh, Mark Jacobs top, and that came from a lot of her clothing for that episode. A lot of the clothing for that episode came from Saks Fifth Avenue, and right. uh, uh, also uh, Sarah wears a couple of. Uh, uh, cream colored tops in there. You know, I was trying to keep them straight, like which was which. And one was a Catherine uh, Maladrino uh, top. And the other one was uh, uh, Mark Jacobs, the prairie style top that tied at the waist. That was a Mark Jacobs top, which okay. actually wasn't that expensive, ultimately. And uh, there were lots of um, lots of purchases for that episode because um you know, we hadn't really spent that much money on the previous episode because we used the closet for that uh-huh. episode. But in this episode, we we did a lot of 
a lot of purchasing, a lot of boots, a lot of footwear, it seems, you know, we were probably, you know, filling in, you know, because we had more of a budget to, to move the money around. And I look back at the records uh, for these shows and it's amazing <laughs> to me how many things I would have to sign off on as far as tracking the money. And I had to, you know, account for every, everything that went everywhere. So, and it had to be uh, uh, in order for the accounting uh, people uh, at Fox because they would track everything and you had, would have to describe all your purchases. And I mean, looking back when I look at the jewelry on the show, oh my goodness. Well, Fox ended up with a, uh, quite a nice um, stock of jewelry because <laughs> we purchased a lot of jewelry for that episode. And we had um, this Letterman's jackets made for that episode. I had those made. That's in my notes. And that, and then all of the letters, the big S's for the jackets, those were made by a company called Seychelles, which they would uh, embroider, you know, custom whatever we would need for that. So, but there's a lot of preparation involved when you have like a football team or something like that. I hadn't even thought about that. It's all custom, even down to, I was looking at the purchases for the um, coaches on the field where Mm -hmm. we, we bought their polo shirts and, you know, maybe I I'd have to look at double uh, look at it. But uh, I, I think sometimes, you know, we'd, you know, spruce them up a little bit, add something here or there to it. But those those were bought at Nordstrom. You know, the colors, you would have to match colors and all of that. And a lot of RJ's wardrobe. I looked uh, up his wardrobe, a lot of Lucky and Diesel. And uh, those came from, I believe those were Nordstrom as well. And then a lot of the rest of his wardrobe came from American Eagle. At the time, very, you know, very right. trendy for the time. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, but yeah, but when you're planning, uh, I mean, I just look at the, my notes and I could just see all over the scribbles, you know, <laughs> must buy this, must buy that, you know, must, you know, scrimmage, uh, jerseys, uh, he pours water. You've got to have two jackets. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like multiples, multiples. And when Don would fall or trip, you know, it would be mm. a stunt double. And then I, I actually was looking, we used a photo double in that episode for some scenes. Now I'm not sure what the reason was, if it was just, you know, her availability maybe. And, mm. you know, she, Wait, really, what's that mean photo double? A photo double was just somebody walking and you're believing that that is who it is. And they're photographing her from behind or whatever. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's, she's not doing a stunt or anything. She okay. would just, she would just be like walking through the school or, you know, walking down off the bleachers or whatever, okay. just something, you know, mundane like that. Hmm. But <laughs> they, so were they, is it kind of like, if you have to buy all those like jerseys and colors and stuff, is that kind uh-huh. of like, well, we know we can use this later so they don't mind buying yeah, it all? Or? Yeah, somewhat. Yes. Of course we burned one. In the <laughs> True. So, so, but yeah, they, they, they know I was in my records. I was looking it says episode 99. And I thought, episode 99, what does that mean? And then it hit me. Well, that is like a budget we were given at the beginning of the season to pull from in case we had overages on other episodes. So we could always go back to that budget 
of that episode and and charge things to that episode to that oh. make believe episode basically yeah but oh. uh but yeah so that was what episode 99 was so we would have that as kind of like a buffer for us you know we would use that uh to fill fill uh other needs on other shows now i did notice like uh episode five uh spills over into six some of it so maybe what we didn't spend on episode five we just spent on episode six yeah so so that episode six which is him uh it was a lot uh there were a lot lot of purchases for that episode yeah. they do wear a lot of different like they they fully all wear different like at least yes. two or three different outfits yeah, yeah. Well, and that's when xander's walking and uh he's got the suede banana republic jacket on mm. and he's with buffy sarah it ends up with blood on it so you have to yeah. have you have to have another but fortunately with that we only had to have two because he didn't really have to have a stunt double so okay. there's there's so much to consider i mean if if you would look at my records you would be like oh my goodness <laughs> i mean it's just like hey, it is like buying for i don't know like a store basically yeah. you you're just because you know it's it's all I, in our season we really didn't go back to other seasons that much so and pull from there, you know, we had a different kind of look. So uh, I, I noticed a lot of the the boots and the footwear, some beautiful uh, boots for Willow. Uh, they were like from, I think they, those came from Neiman Marcus and they were uh, lace, laced up the back. You know, they were knee high boots, really beautiful boots. And then uh, just Sarah, just other boots and heels, you know, the right, just the right look, you know, it makes the actress, you don't always see all of that on screen, but it makes the actress, I think, feel much yeah. more confident, you know? Well, it's kind of like anytime, like, you know, if we're not on screen, but if we're wearing a nice outfit, we still feel better, you know? Yeah, yeah perfectly said. Thank you, Ian. Yeah, you validated my point. <laughs> so there are a lot of outfits in this episode, Matt. What was your, looking back, what's your, like, now favorite? In that episode, now my yeah. favorite. Hmm. Well, I probably have to say, <laughs> of all things, there's just something because it resonated with me that I used later. Was it's not really an outfit; it's a piece that okay. Sarah wore, which is that cream turtleneck, bulky sweater that appeared that I used later under the denim jacket. Uh, is it the same one? It's yes, the same it one. I swear, ah. I would think that it is because as I looked it up. I believe it's a Michael Kors, and it was it was a fairly expensive sweater at the time. It was a, around a thousand dollars. So oh shit. Uh, so it was exactly. <laughs> so I, you know, but just as a piece, I think you know, like okay, well, that was something that I could really use later that mm. came in handy. You know, so that resonated with me. And I, I again, I just I love Sarah's look as far. Oh, oh, I know what I should mention before I forget. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> when when Don is in the uh the bronze, the the you know, the dance club mm -hmm. and she's wearing the slutty, you know, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, we have it described in our notes as you know, Don's slutty look. <laughs> and, and it came from <laughs> It came from Forever 21, <laughs> and it was all of $15. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dark, I mean, slutty look. Yeah. So that might be a favorite, actually, because it <laughs> stood out so much. You know, for 15, for 15 bucks, it got a lot of play. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I love that. But as far as like Sarah, I mean, I love Sarah's look. You know, the, like I said, those cream prairie looking cowgirl uh they call them those tops frilly kind of i love mm. that yeah i love those oh. i mean she looks good in like a, a flowy t- she looks good in. i mean she looks good in everything so <laughs> yeah she does she does she really does but she had a lot of a lot of changes in that episode yeah yeah i yeah i think like buffy has maybe four maybe five maybe different. something something like that quite a yeah. few yeah quite yeah. a few but yeah that that the michael Kors sweater just stood out to me because i went Oh, I didn't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I I went back and pulled it, you know, to use again. Totally changed everything, you know. Uh, You know, for the second time, it didn't look exactly like it did the first time. So no, yeah, Yeah. it works. It works for both. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, well, Matt, thank you for doing this. Thank you for joining us as always. I'll see you next time, Matt. Thank you. See you soon. And now we're going to rate our favorite outfits. Tiff, what was your favorite outfit from the episode? <laughs> uh, I think the um, I think the governess. Like I, I mm. wasn't a Catholic schoolgirl look, but I liked. I kind of liked Willow had a sparkly number going on later on as well. But mainly, I think Buffy's kind of Victoriana, kind of cute white top and long kind of skirt. I think for me was my favorite outfit. Mm. Uh, Latoya. Uh yeah, I guess see so, so I am torn between Anya's <laughs> Natalie and Brulia look and as much as I, I I cracked on it for not being appropriate for school, like Buffy's first outfit, like when they're on the bleachers, her and Dawn. I'm it's a tie, I gotta say. <laughs> All right. Anthony. Um I feel I I agree. Like all those looks are good. Um, I think I would have answered the governess look, but the more I think about it, like the jacket is a really nice piece of like costuming. Like it really is a clag. If you gave me that Sunnydale jacket, I would wear it every day. So I feel like that the jacket might be my pick actually. <laughs> All right. Fair. Uh, I think so. She wears this again later on, but Buffy wears the like white chunky turtleneck sweater. I think she looks good in a chunky sweater. Um, oh, that's I, a like, good one like, too. White... Yeah. If you have a neck like that, oh, yes. I'm so jealous of people who have necks. Like, cause you get <laughs> You get to wear these gorgeous pieces. Like I could never wear a Victorian collar. Good, you guys try, Anthony. I don't think you're trying hard enough. Maybe I would just—I look like a turtle, like halfway a frightened turtle. Uh, I actually—I think the the Willow spell look is actually really pretty. Um, it also has my favorite line, which we didn't even talk about, where she goes, Hecate hates that when the spell gets. <laughs> you know what she does? This is this is factual. <laughs> uh favorite scene latoya uh favorite scene well, i i really do enjoy this episode uh this, this this weird little episode so what is my favorite scene it might be like the the split screen situation as they all go off to do their uh things to make rj love them with with, the, <laughs> with that 70s music as you call it yeah <laughs> uh anthony yeah, it's the split screen or it's the bazooka. It those are the scenes I think of every time I think of this episode. Uh, Tiff, I think I would probably go for the Anya and Willow exchange. Okay. That little funny okay. exchange, just for the comedy val- value. Um, like visually, maybe not as exciting as some of the other state scenes, 
but I do uh I do really I really like that scene. So yeah, for me, my favorite scene is them all arguing over RJ and like you said, when Anya says AJ is my dearest friend, I love that. Um, A close second, yeah, a close second is the rocket launcher bit because I just think it's so fucking good. Um, And that's kind of what I think of when I think of this episode is like that and grade, Anthony. That's tough because it's like, obviously it's not... Like, I would never in a million years, if someone was like top 10 episodes of Buffy, be like, oh, yeah, him. But right. it does exactly what it wants to do. Like, it, <laughs> I can't think the only critique I would make is like, I wish it got weirder faster. But otherwise, it accomplishes what it wants to do. So I feel like it's an A for me. All right. Uh, Latoya? Yeah, I was thinking of that way. It's not an all-timer. I think I'd give it um, a B plus, probably. It's really solid, and it's like, like kind of a breath of fresh, really, especially in the later seasons. And it's just like, it has so many callbacks, and I, I think it is a good like mishmash of like, like contemporary Buffy and like early season Buffy. Uh, Tiff, um, I would like to mirror it, I guess, for the for the kind of physical element of comedy and slapstick with one of the best episodes, which is Hush. I think they share a similar kind of oh. slapsticky, you know, where Buffy's kind of, you know, drawing Mr. Pointy and she's, you know, <laughs> right, like yeah. she's masturbating in the, you know, like they kind of, they've got, the, the, it's got a sensibility that is kind of like, you know, the stakes are high, but, but there's lots of large comedic uh, moments in it. So for me, yeah, I would say, it's not what it's not the one I go to first of all when I go. What's my favorite ever Buffy episode? Mm-hmm. So I would say I would agree with Latoya. I feel it's a, it's about a B. To give uh-huh. it less than that would feel unfair. So I feel like maybe a B plus. So I'm gonna have to agree with Anthony. Has like Anthony has like changed the way I like grade stuff. So he's like, does it achieve what it meant to achieve? So that's why I always think of when I'm grading. And like I do think this episode does achieve it. And like Latoya, like you said, it's a good mishmash of like callbacks, but like still keeping it. It's not like a doesn't feel like too much. It's yeah. not like weighed down by the callbacks. Um so I think I I was on the I was on the like border of B plus A, but I think I go with A. But again, I think there's a lot of Buffy episodes that like are really good but still aren't in my top ten. You know what I mean? Like I don't know where I would rank this episode, but it still is really good, but I think there's a lot of Buffy episodes that I've given A's to. You know what I mean? I think Tiff's point is really, really amazing. Like, it really does have a visual style that is like, it doesn't look like a Buffy episode, right? Like, like the split the, is so, like, like Buffy doesn't do that at all, and they do that in this yeah. episode. It also yeah. doesn't do, like, it doesn't flash back to a previous episodes, right? Like, I can't think of another Buffy episode where we literally see a scene from an episode like that. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, or like a shot that that like the shot of the principal where stuff is happening in the background. That's just not a thing it does. Like if you only saw this episode of Buffy, you would have a very different idea of what the show was like, um, even just at a visual level. And I love that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, all right. Well, thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for listening. If you like Slayer Fest '98, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on social media at SlayerFestX98. You can subscribe to our Patreon, which really helps keep the podcast going and gives you access to mini episodes, our private Facebook group, and more. If you want to follow me on social, I am at Ian X Carlos. Tiff, where can everyone find you? Um, I'm on Twitter at Tiff Stevenson. Um, and also I've just like kind of got a TikTok, which I'm enjoying. Like I was like, ah, I'm not gonna be into this, and I really <laughs> love it. I love it. <laughs> 
I'm All obsessed right. with TikTok right now. It's so much better than Twitter. <laughs> it, feels, it feels much more wholesome in that, like, the level of trolling or general disagreement or argument. I mean, sure, people do that in the comments and stuff. But it actually feels like a place where the content reigns supreme over... I've got, like, a lot more followers on Twitter, but on TikTok, I think I came on, I only had a couple of hundred, and I put a video out, and just more people saw it. I think if stuff is good on there, it kind of just... Mm lies a bit more and also you just it's a bit more joyous yeah, yeah. I, I you know i've only recently started getting into like falling down tiktok holes and a thing i realized is like i was like you know what i appreciate people that are bad at the dances and still just like put it up there because they're having fun like i i can appreciate and that's not supposed to be like a slight it's like oh like they tried their best and they literally did and they're having fun like i appreciate that like shit like that that wouldn't really work on Twitter. I feel like if someone was trying their best but not quite getting there, that would not fly on Twitter. Um, Latoya, where can everyone find you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Lafergs, and from there you can find my writing because I will plug my shit. Um, you can also find me um, also on Twitter and other places. I don't, I don't handle that um, at both uh, Amp Diaries Pod, which is the Empire Diaries, my uh, Vampire Diaries spoiler free rewatch podcast, and Angel on Topcast, which is my uh, Angel spoiler free rewatch podcast. Uh, I'm all about um, sad and slightly horny vampire rewatches right now. And, you know, <laughs> I, I'm sure I have fun things happening I that I can't talk about, uh, both just in my general screenwriting career and my my ronda rousey career but cool things are happening so there you go she does it all i do Yay. it all i'm so fucking tired <laughs> <laughs> and anthony where did everyone find you uh you can find me not on tiktok but you can find me on most other things at mia koopa m-e-a-k-o-o-p-a i just followed and- everyone on twitter just now oh, good. oh i need to do that too <laughs> uh we'll see you all next time bye bye, bye.